Thursdays. Every Thursday. Yo, what's up? Welcome to another edition of We Love Wednesdays every Thursday, sometimes on Friday, but not this week because we're on time, bitches. What's up? Yeah, man. We here on Wheel Wet. That's the acronym. I don't know if you processed that shit out yet, but Wheel Wet is the acronym for We Love Wednesdays every Thursday. Yeah, man. I knew that shit because I made it up. (laughs) (laughs) What's good, kid? Yeah, man, the books are good. This this was a full week. There was a lot of stuff. You and I did not even uh, you and I didn't even scratch the surface this week because there was so much good stuff out there. Yeah, there was. So what I'm going to do is this week after, you know, we do this show, um, I'm going to probably weigh in on a couple of other books like daily, um, you know, saying I can pass you the credentials to get in and do the same yourself if you want to do that. Um <laughs> You know, my so. favorite part is when my favorite part is when the audience starts telling us what they're reading and where we're sleeping. And sometimes they're right. And sometimes it's some real goofy shit, but sometimes they're right. It's true. It's true. Absolutely true. But this week, you know, what I'm saying there were some heavy hitters that I couldn't I couldn't skip, man. I had to read those first. And, you know, the first one, and I think it might have been your first as well was the uh the action comics 1001 um so the first action comics since the uh since man of steel uh that's a betrayal spider-man is always first but i'll let you have this one what'd you think about it yo i thought it was great it was so i remember if you remember last week um, or the week before, actually, the week before when, when uh, Superman number one came out, we had had a discussion and I was kind of on the other side of the fence as you like I was like, you know, for me, the the Superman number one was like your Spider-Man number one. It was like I I kind of knew where Bendis was going with it, but I felt like, you know, this was kind of like a setup issue and it didn't really grab me. Um, Action Comics, on the other hand, was the complete opposite, like from from panel one all the way through to the end. I was intrigued with everything. What about you? Yeah, man, absolutely. Absolutely. I was, I, I give it, I give it an A. I have questions. I have some questions though. And there's a, there's a couple of things. I'm that nitpicker that always has that one piece that stands out to me that like, I'm not feeling, but I'm feeling so much about it though, in a good way. Yeah. The, the, um, I mean, from the very beginning with the, there's something that Bendis does, man, that I don't think, there aren't many writers that do this. It's everybody in the book is treated as a human. Like, yes, including, including the stupid robbers that he's trying to capture. And it's like, they're doing the same stupid shit that every robber does, but you, you get to get a little piece of what's inside their heads as it's going on. And it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's it, and it was funny and cute and and it was within the character of Superman too. Like he wasn't trying to, he wasn't making Superman funny. He was making a fun situation well within the character of Superman. Right. Right. And the um yeah, the other the other piece of it was the uh just the supporting characters. Uh this was more of the stuff that I remember you saying that you loved about, you know, the Man of Steel book. Uh throughout the six issues, all the pieces that he introduced. And um, 
and brought back into Superman's life and made them very important. Um, you know, with like Trish Tilby and, um, you know, Perry White and, and all these characters that, you know, just, they weren't, they weren't really, not that they weren't relevant, but they're, they're standing up in the forefront now. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I'm, I'm really big into the illusion. I'm really big into when I pick up a book, when I watch a movie, whatever the medium is, when I'm playing a video game that like, I've got to feel like that world exists not just the character and i think that's what you're alluding to when you're when you're talking about him fleshing out these other characters right like it's not just about superman but all of these other characters have very good motivations like and are doing what they should be doing not just moving the plot along right i mean the story is just about is just as much about them as it is about superman yep um so i mean like you're intrigued by like what their next step's going to be you know what what you know, what's their, what's the next part of their story? Um, and it all ties together beautifully and fluidly. Um, the, the last page though, huh? I can't really say what it is, but that, that was something to me that was just, that was a head scratcher. You just mentioned a head scratcher and, uh, you know, in our conversation before we started this, to me, this was a head, head scratcher, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, and the, and the book led there. And again, though, it, it, to me, it was all about fleshing out all the other things. It was the journey to there, um, that really made it worth it. And then ending, you know what I mean? With such an exclamation point, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. He, he introduced a couple of, uh, like a little, like he introduced like a group of villains, I should say, cause they, it looks like they may all have some kind of, you know, special thing going on. Um, <laughs> Since I'm not since I'm not a DC fan, I didn't know if they were like pre-existing villains. Uh, but I thought it was so cool that they just got some dude named Yogurt, right? Like, yeah, because so, yeah. I'm what, imagining... was the, what was the what was the other dude though? Like they they all had like some weird name, like Yogurt and Spaghetti or some shit like that. I'm thinking, how does this dude get his name? He's probably just sitting there eating yogurt, minding his business, and they all start calling him Yogurt. Like that time that Andy started calling Jim the Big Tuna on the office because he had tuna one yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I, I dude, I, I just uh, like those characters were great, you know, and then, and then you know the the big big bad that they introduced. I, and now she's not. She's not really. A, I don't know how big she's going to be, but she's definitely big in that group. Like she, when she showed up, that was kind of cool too. Like everything was cool about it. It was just a, like these motherfuckers are chilling in a in a fucking like lead pipe. So here's what's not cool to me: the one little piece to me that is not cool, um, and 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 I understand the reasons for it. We talked we talked before on previous episodes about by removing Lois Lane from this book you're able to explore his interactions with other females and and in other ways and i think that's really cool but the way they did it is puzzling to me because i'm a dad and superman's a dad and uh his his wife and child are just out there somewhere and i he he gave some resistance but not really enough resistance and i don't care if your son is indestructible or whatever you need to know where your son is. And the fact that he doesn't and let that bit of parenting control just kind of slip away 
is not something that I can relate to. And that does break the illusion a little bit. I mean, clearly he's distraught. Bendis is doing the right thing around it. Like he did it for the right reasons, like I mentioned, but he's also showing uh, he's showing the, the father's empty nest syndrome. But at the same time, just allowing it to happen seems like the most far-fetched thing in a Superman book, in a book about an alien who can fly. You know what I mean? The most far-fetched thing to me that I'm having a hard time relating to isn't this weird ass alien. It's his, it's, it's the way that he's fathering his son. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I get that. I mean, like there was a, there was a, a thing in man of steel where like, you know, pops, his pops gave him a a communicator to stay in touch. And to me, that was kind of like the, that was the impetus for him saying, yeah, sure. Like, you know, like, I don't think he was ever like, okay with it, but I think with Lois being okay with it, he was more at ease, especially having that communicator. But now that that communicator is destroyed, that's where there's this whole can of worms and like where, but I mean, if he did take off to go and look for them, how would he find them? You know what I mean? Like, and he'd be away for so long. I think his concern is that he couldn't just leave earth like that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, like I, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And, and it makes sense. It's still, it's still the hardest part for me to swallow in the entire book, but everything else I really adore. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying that book and it's a DC book and gag me with a spoon and all that shit. But you know, but what the I'm other saying. thing, the other thing too, though, I mean, like in your, like to, to see it from your standpoint, dude, you and your son are attached at the hip. Yeah. And like y'all, y'all do pretty much everything together where Superman and his son, as far as I could see, they weren't really like they, they had a father son relationship and he was apparently a good father, but you know, he had justice league stuff and you know, his kid had the, uh, you know, super son stuff and, and all this other stuff going on in the family. Like they were, you're right. You're right. And that was part of my preface is that, you know, that's that's the way that's the way that I am. It's hard for me to relate to. Like I was trying to I was trying to stress that that with right. me as, as the kind of dad that I am, that bit is tough for me to relate to. But, yeah, I feel you. And and again, even, you know, even if it makes sense to some people and not to others, it's still for a good cause because it's moving the plot along in a, in a otherwise natural way. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying the book. And I think you and I both agree that people need to check this out and pick it up. Absolutely. And speaking of sons and father son relationships, uh, I just I just got finished reading uh, Teen Titans number 20, which is the book where, you know, Damian Wayne actually builds his team of Teen Titans and and, you know, they go out on their first mission and you kind of get to see the you start with the mission and it you know, breaks down like each character and like how he, how he pulled them into the team and so on and so forth. But the, the takeaway from this book for me was definitely that Damon, Damian Wayne is Bruce Wayne's kid, like hands down, like he acts like his actions, his, his motivations, like he has some, he has some differences because he was raised by the league of assassins. Um, so like, he's a little bit more on the violent side, um, than bruce wayne is but his just the way that he just the way that he processes things like he's not just another robin you know what i mean yeah 
I haven't read this book. Has he not stabbed anybody in the eye with one of his size yet? No. Okay. No, All right. So he's, he's evolving. He is evolving as a character. Uh, his he does look. If you got to read the book, you know, pick it up, read it, because you know, towards the end, like there's a there's a little shocking surprise as to like you know what Damian Wayne is actually doing, uh, which is a little bit more in line with what we know about Damian Wayne. Um, but I, I gotta say like, just like getting a little bit of insight into this character's mindset, um, and just how he, how he can like just manipulate situations and he knows the characters, he knows everybody's, he, he can see potential in people and like, he knows like who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. And like, he's got it all figured out. Like, you know, I need this person on my team for this reason. And it's just, it's really cool the way they do it. And, um, you know, the story is amazing. The the artwork is great. Um, just good stuff all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, what, what, what else did you read? Uh, amazing Spider-Man. So um, this is part two. And, you know, after reading the first one, um, I had a lot of, I had a wait and see attitude and I'm sorry to say that after reading the second one, I'm still waiting to see. Uh, I know we don't want to do the bit where we go in and, and, and discuss everything that was in the book. And I'm not going to do that, but I, I've got to tell you the opening page uh, starts out in presumably Africa and there's uh, elephants and somebody shoots the elephants while there's a narrative about the natural order of things. And you watch this, like, you watch this elephant die. Now, I love elephants. And I'm watching this elephant die in the Amazing Spider-Man book. And I'm like, all right, where are they going with this? What's what's going on here? And then it cuts to a page with Spider-Man fighting in New York. And at some point, they're going to go back to the elephant, right? So it makes some sense. Mm-hmm. No, no, they don't. They The elephant for, un, unless, you know, at some later chapter in this series, they go back to the elephant, which they, they might. But in this book, it opens up with a page of elephants dying and it never goes back to the elephants. They're like, why did you just kill these elephants? Are you are you just that much of an asshole? Uh, So I don't know, man. I I don't know. Uh, There's an interesting little battle that happens at the beginning. um, And then there's and then so. And and again, I don't want to I don't want to evaluate the entire book and, and tell you what's happening in the book as a narrative, but I'm, I'm trying to explain that um, it's, it's not the pieces are out of order. You and I uh, previous to this podcast discussed uh, episode, you know, issue one, and you asked if this, if this character came back and that character, as far as I know, is not even in this book. So the only recurring thread from the first book is the continuing theme of his happiness with Mary Jane, which things seem to have moved really quickly. So let me touch on that for just a second, or or let me actually finish by saying, and then it goes into some Kurt Connor stuff. This book ends with another cliffhanger, kind of like um, Action Comics did with a, something that makes you scratch your head and say, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Uh, and, and it was in a cool way, no doubt. But uh, there's not much that I'm loving here and some people might be happy with Peter Parker and Mary Jane back together. But do you remember why he wasn't with Mary Jane? And I'm asking you, like, that's not rhetorical. Like, do you remember? Yeah. 
there was there was a deal made, right? Right with 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 Mephisto. A deal was made with Mephisto to keep to keep Aunt May alive. Right. So, I I don't know. He just broke that deal. Are they going to be? I mean, I got to give the writer a chance, right? There's got to be consequences. So maybe the writer's smart, and then there's going to be consequences, and then they mess with Aunt May. But is that really smart? Because now he's just you know now he's just thinking with his with his junk. Like, well, no, here's here's the thing though. You can't. Um... I don't I don't think that I, I think that there's a a caveat there because the deal and if I don't know if you remember this, but the deal involved him giving up his love for MJ, right? And MJ giving up her love for him. Like that love that they have together is is taken away from them, right? Um in return, Aunt May gets to live. As a caveat, they will not remember any of their any of the the deal so the deal is not a thing that they are remembering that they they made so in that i think that might be a loop a loophole in a sense where you know them coming back together is not effectively breaking the deal because they don't even remember making it so i I don't know how i don't know how that's going to play out but i mean i i can totally see that being a a worthy explanation is that that's not a worthy Mephisto? That's a dumbass, a dumbest shit Mephisto coming yeah. out here being like, being I'm like, gonna I'm be gonna honest. make you this deal, but if you forget about it and undo the deal, then hey, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go on record and say I never thought Mephisto was a, a great character in my, in my opinion. It then it the whole, but then the whole story buckles underneath it. Then the whole story is kind of for nothing and meaningless and and without consequence, and. And I, I know that we can point, we can paint a broad stroke with that across comic books. But I'm just saying, uh, they were apart for a reason, and they've ne- they haven't they haven't explained why that reason can just be undone. And you know that's glaring to me. Like this is why they they took that detour, and now all of a sudden they're back together without you know without some explanation of that. It just doesn't make sense. Well, it's Nick Spencer. If you never read Morning Glories, I recommend you do. I did. Uh, yeah, Morning Glories. In my opinion, in my opinion, it's one of the it's one of the finest, uh, you know, series in comics, because um, it gave me this whole like lost style high school uh, mystery that just went on for for issues and issues, but stayed interesting and. I trust him as a writer. I, I, that's all I can say is I trust him as a writer because he okay. never let me. He never let me down in that book. Um, then this, then this dude better come back to some elephant killing and explain to me why he killed Dumbo at the beginning of his book. Cause no, that's what. I, but that's what I'm saying. Like if you read Morning Glories, then you know that he he does that a lot. He'll he'll I mean, plant seeds and he'll jump around and he'll come back to it. And he, you, heard, you heard me say. You heard me say. Like maybe he'll come back to this. Yeah. Like in the meantime, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on here I mean, that I feel like. Not, hopefully, it's not like the dog that lived across the hall from Peter Parker and Dan Slott. So, so for all of our listeners, right? For for our audience, uh, we should say that there was a, a Spider-Man comic book 20 years ago, right? I, not to be exact, but yeah, it's about 20 years ago. Do you remember what the Spider-Man book was? The one that I'm talking about. 
I don't I, I don't remember the, the, the issue, but it was definitely the Amazing Spider-Man. No, not the issue, because it carried on throughout like the entire series. And Peter Parker is living in an apartment and across, you know, on the, on the, in the next building. It was definitely brand new day. Across the alley, uh, there's a dog that was always out on the uh, on the on the fire escape or whatever coming out of its, you know, the dog's apartment. And the dog was always looking at him like that dog knows, like, I know you're Peter Parker. I know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Like, I know what's up. And one day I'm a snitch on you. And the dog always it, they focused on that dog so much that you and I asked him. We asked uh, the editor in chief. We asked Joe Quesada. We were like, yo, what's up with this dog? Are we ever going to get an explanation? And here's what Joe Quesada said. This is a true story. He reached out back to us and he said, yes. He said, there will be a conclusion to this dog. You will get answers. And we never got <laughs> answers. Unless there's some weird ass back issue somewhere. You know what I mean? There's some B-side to a comic book. We have never gotten answers on that dog. Nope, that, dog that dog disappeared. Dog disappeared. The story ended. On that side of the on that side of the fence, we I, I mean I don't even know what happened to that woman. Maybe the apartment just like got I don't even know. Maybe like something happened to the apartment and during a fight or something like that. And I don't know. I, I'm making shit up now. Um, but I'm cool with that. I'm cool with us being able to have our own little fan fiction about the dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I like I like little characters like that that don't get explained. I'm okay with that. The elephant doesn't count. You just showed me elephant murder. Please tell me, please have a good reason for showing me elephant murder. Right. I mean, is it Donald Trump's son? Is that what's going on? That's what he likes to do, right? That's his jam going out there and hunting. And I'm not, that's not a red or a blue statement. That's just like a, that he likes to do that. Are you making some, is he making a political statement? Like, why did this elephant just die? I don't know, man. I'm, I've spent way too much time on the elephant. I apologize to you. <laughs> I apologize to our audience. What else did you read this week? Uh, me, I read Bone Parish, number one. Uh, I don't know anything about it, man. Tell me what's up. I will tell you what's up. Bone Parish, number one, is just a, a cool friggin' story, man, about uh, it's basically like this family that they're, they're drug lords, in a sense, they have like a little drug empire that they're building. They're starting from the ground up. Um, but the drug that they're peddling is made from the bones of human remains. Um, yeah. And it and by taking this drug, you if you take the drug, like you experience like being that person that you're you're snorting like in a weird like memory uh, triggering kind of way. Um so like you get to experience being on stage if you snort the the bones of uh you know Jim Morrison, right? Um some shit like that, like really really weird shit like but this drug is very popular and like everybody wants it and everybody's trying to take it so like they they're running out of bodies and they have to like, you know, figure out how they're going to expand their their market and like try and try and keep this going because they have to actually exhume the bodies of 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 dead people and in order to get the good ones like the famous people and stuff like that now you got to start targeting all these cemeteries that have and it's just this really they it's like they're trying to figure out the logistics of how to grow their empire and now now people from new york like like big drug lords from new york are like trying to move in and buy it from them uh and take it all over and you know the mom's like nope not not gonna sell 
but there's some really cool twists, turns. The family members have their own dynamic with each other. It's a dynamic family. Like in there, they have a, a very, uh, very strange relationship in some cases. And in other cases, some very loving relationships. And it's really, it's really cool. And it's definitely an interracial family. So that was interesting as well. Um, but Cullen Bunn is the writer and he, uh, he really, uh, you know, saying did a really good job with making this a very real uh, experience while still being like fantasy and kind of horror like because there's some horror elements to it too uh that i don't want to give away but definitely uh definitely check it out i'm a science lover i'm thinking about the science aspect and i'm trying to figure out how much dna would actually be encoded into like bone structure right like um and i'm kind of excited by that i kind of want to check it out yeah it's um you know it's by it's by boom studio uh so boom is a is a indie publisher and it's it's just great it's number it's number one issue just came out so you're not going to be behind it all just grab the number one issue read it check it out you'll love it trust me i promise yo you know what's dope man um you just said check it out you'll love it i promise um there's very few books for, that get me that excited and are like a, a blanket general recommendation for adults for me. And it it's almost like a once a generation kind of thing, right? Like, uh, like Preacher made me feel that way, right? Like Preacher was something that to non-comic book fans, I could say, check this out and they can see how dope it is, right? Um, and then... Uh, why the last man i felt like that about why the last man a little less so but i definitely felt like that about why the last man um and uh it just it's so rare and i gotta tell you saga has made me feel that way right like saga is one of those things that i'm like you should read this book and i could say that to anybody um who's an adult because it's a very adult book like the previously mentioned ones um and and Saga's pretty dope. You you checked out the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah I, che I checked um, it out. I was matter of fact, I think I I think I checked it out and told you to read it. A lot of people told me to read it. Uh, our comic book dealer told me to read it <laughs> from back in the day. Um, you told me to read it, and I'm pretty sure other people did too. And here's what I saw: I saw a stupid looking guy with a TV head having sex with a weird alien chick. And I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. That, honestly, that's what happened. I, I picked I picked it up from a random point and I started reading that. And, and that's exactly what I saw. And I was like, nah, no thanks. Um, and I thought that's what the book was. I thought the book was just let's have like weird sex with weird creatures. Um, and it is right. Like I, I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to act like that's not a strong part of the book. No, no, it's but definitely part yeah, but let's say they use that, right? Let's say they use the sex between two different aliens. Uh, some people, more tender, loving people, refer to that as love, right? Like the the sex, and they they would consider that love making. And aliens, you would consider two very different peoples, right? Or classes of people. And what you have here when you break it down that way is a more extreme Romeo and Juliet story. That's what this is. This is a more extreme Romeo and Juliet story. Mm -hmm. You've got two warring factions and you've got um, 
you've got crossed lovers between the two factions and the rest of the adventure is trying to is trying to bring those people in right like they're super wanted uh if people find out that if people find out that love can be found between the two factions it would end the war and as we all know war is profitable so the book has been a super dope very mature ride um and this week issue 54 came out you had mentioned in a previous discussion not on the podcast but offline that uh you had actually you hadn't been caught up on the book right and i would say to you it's it's very easy to be disengaged in this book because it hasn't necessarily shipped on schedule and he ships it in chunks, right? So there'll be a few issues at a time and then it'll disappear for six months and then it'll come back with another few issues. Um, the reason I'm bringing it up now is because it was an issue from this week, but this is one of those jumping off points. This is issue number 54. Uh, it was a conclusion of sorts to a major part of the story. Uh, and they said, this is it for us. We're taking off for a while. We're going to, you know, um, we're going to bathe in our creativity and come back and give you some more later. But it seems like they're going on a longer term hiatus than usual. And it's just such a beautiful book. And it's one of those books that as you approach the end or when these major characters die, which they do, uh, you really feel it. You know, and again, you don't even have to be a comic book lover. This is the one that you can share to your friends that you wish read some comic books. This is that intro point. This is that intro book that we all wish we had because all of us weird comic book nerd spazzes <laughs> wished that our homies would pick up some of these books, too. And this is one of those books that could do it. Word. I, I got to get back into it, man. I'm definitely going to I'm definitely going to do that. Um there was another weird book that came out this week from DC uh, called DC's Beach Blanket Bad Guys. You hear this? You hear about that? Yeah. 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 Except when I heard it, uh, somebody referred to it as the bathing suit issue. And uh, I thought it was a joke. And I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. No, I know it's not a bathing suit yeah. issue. That was that was the joke that they were making, except I got confused and didn't even realize that it was an actual book that came out this week that was uh, that they were riffing off. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like the cover would actually insinuate that it's the bathing suit issue because that's what it looks like. Like they're all on a beach. Like I think like the Joker's playing with a fucking sandcastle and uh, Gigantas like in a bikini like laid out and like just like I don't even I think Mr. Freeze is on the beach or some shit it's really weird it's a weird cover man um, it's good because like it's really like playful um, but it does definitely kick off that vibe especially with the name of the book that it's going to be a uh, it's going to be something that it's really not because when I opened it up and started reading it like immediately like the first story is like Bizarro versus the Joker and it's, uh, you know, beautifully painted. It's like a, it's an amazingly illustrated, uh, you know, part of the book. Uh, and it's written by Lee Bermejo, who, who I thought was actually, you know, doing the artwork. But it was someone else that's doing the artwork. Uh, I didn't even know that Homeboy writes. But anyway, uh, awesome. It was awesome. Uh, it was really cool. But the thing that stood out to me was, I, I don't know, you remember that book Submerged I told you about? Yeah. Um, so Vida Ayala actually wrote uh, a short in this Beach Blanket Bad Guys book. 
um, called False Idols. And it's a story about Cheetah. And it's dope. It's a phenomenal story. Like it actually just, it grabbed me and, and actually made me appreciate Cheetah. All of these, all of these stories, all of them, it's not just hers, although hers is, is great and stands out. Um, all of the stories actually make me appreciate these bad guys yeah. and, and flesh them out and make them more three-dimensional to me because they show, they all kind of show the good side of them. Yeah. Um, even if it's just fleeting, you know, like at the end of the uh, Batman, uh, not Batman, but the end of the Joker uh, Bizarro fight, like the Joker's like offering Bizarro sunscreen while he's like burning in the sun. It's like, but it's like, that's his, that's his moment of kindness. You know what I mean? Like they all have like, kind of like this moment of kindness that just kind of, like I said, it fleshes them out. It gives them more depth. I've only gotten about halfway through the book because it's a big one. Uh, but so far, if if you've got some time on your hands and you just want to, you want to dip your toes in the DC universe, uh, this is the book that you should use to do that. Yeah, except every time I dip my toes in, right, and catch something really cool like Action Comics, then there's something really weird that puts me right back out. So you mentioned Cheetah, right? That's the Wonder Woman villain? Yeah, the, the one that looks like a, a cheetah yeah and and i gotta admit like i, I kind of find that a little hot uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love the shit out of Kristen wig i find her ridiculously funny how the hell is Kristen wig gonna play cheetah what is that about yo, I'm, yo it, I'm looking at cheetah the way that they illustrate her in recent books she's not she's not tigra you know what i'm saying like she's not that style yeah. anymore. She is definitely like, she's not like just in a cat suit. Like she is a full on human cheetah, like, like a wear cheetah. Um, so when you look at her, I can definitely see Kristen wig with her body type, like the way that she, like Kristen wig is a very live uh, woman. She's, she's slender. She's, she's got like this built her. That's very cat. Like, I think she's going to be able to pull that off. Oh yeah, I think I think I'm just thinking of the lady in the Target um, skit that SNL does. You know what I mean? Where she's you know at the register and she's being all weird. Or the little hands skit that she does. I'm trying to figure out like where's her cheetah? Where's her? Where's she gonna channel cheetah from? I can't wait to see how they do yeah, that. I, got a feeling. Uh, I just have a feeling. Hopefully it turns out great. I got a feeling she's gonna do a great job, man. Just because. You know, we've seen her in so many different roles that I, I think she definitely has range. And I mean, she's done she's even done serious roles that were she was great. You know, so I, I have seen her. I, I did watch her in one movie that was uh, that was had no humor at all. Like it wasn't like a funny movie at all. Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, the Ghostbusters movie. So, yeah, she might. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually did like the. I regret to say I did like the Ghostbusters a little bit. I just. Sorry. Oh, poking you were the one. You were the one that was still in my corner on this one, man. What the hell? <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't validate the movie and say it was good, Doug, but I can say that I dug it enough. You told me to run to the theater and see it in three days. I did. You need to see. I this. did not. I did not. But what I what I, I will I, tell I, you, so, uh, so if, if you don't mind, 
if you don't if you don't mind moving up moving into like the shout out uh portion right like uh as we wind down the show and go into shout outs uh i remember doing a podcast with my with my steambox students uh and this was um in one socket it was upstate and i remember the students talking about how the ghostbusters movie was terrible because it was women so i i agree that the ghostbusters movie wasn't a complete hit and it it you know, it definitely had some moments that dragged and were not necessarily good. And I honestly think that it was because there was some bad writing at portions, not because it was a woman cast. I think a woman cast can kill a Ghostbusters movie if it's written well. Um, so that being said, Jim Jeffries did a piece this week on some of the haters, you know, in comic books. And this is some of the stuff that we've been talking about because I feel like Marvel's moving away from their black Latino Spider-Man, right? And they're making him some weird spy kid or whatever. Um, and they definitely wanted to put, um, what was her name? Ironheart. Um, do you remember the character's oh, name? Williams. They wanted to put Riri Williams back in the bottle, right? Um, pun intended. And, um, I do feel like they're taking the ball and running with um, with Miss Marvel. And I think they're doing some cool things with her. Um, but otherwise, I feel like they put in some distance because of some of the resistance from some of the fans. And I do think it's a small amount of the fans making so much noise that they pull back on. Right. So Jim Jeffries did a piece where he went to Comic-Con and he started asking people. And there were that small group of people who were like, you know, don't stop making Superman gay. And I don't remember that. I don't remember that story. No, no, there was no story that Superman was gay. So so my point is, he's trying to make an extreme example when he's really saying stop making Spider-Man black. Right. Like they're talking about like they're talking about the inclusiveness that comic books have started to take to reflect society around them. And they're condemning it. So he actually did an interview and he found the person who was kind of at the center of most of it. Um, and it was a really well done piece. And I especially like the part where he's, he's sitting back and he's like, yeah, so this would make, ang uh, racists angry, wouldn't it? And the guy was angrily like, yes. And then he asked him again, slower this time. So this would make racists angry. <laughs> <laughs> and, the guy, and the guy was like, yes. Um, yeah, man, it was a well done piece. And I think it was really important. And I think it put into it definitely gave a face to a nemesis that I didn't even know I had. Um, there was another guy talking about how uh, they, they showed some characters two two of the female superheroes. And he was like, what is this? This is like a cups. They should have C cups. And he's talking about like big boob comic book characters. And that's what they should look like. Like make America great again. Right. When comic books, chicks had big boobs. Yeah. And I, I feel like, um, yo, I feel like this, this still winning, right? Like your big boob characters are out there, right? They're everywhere. They're, they're in most places. Like most of those comic books, you still have them. Superman's still hetero. Like you have your books. Don't be mad. If those are the books you prefer, go get them. But please, please let us hear some new stories and let us have new communities who can look up to some of these characters like Miles Morales or like Riri Williams. Well, you know, you know what? Because those characters especially. You know what? I'm going to, just because it's funny to me, I'm going to, I just want to say, like, maybe it's 
not so much that they're doing all of these things to be inclusive of everybody else, but they're not doing enough to be inclusive of them. Maybe what they should do, and, and I can picture it now, like maybe they should take Wolverine and just make him an alt right motherfucker. <laughs> and but just the, have him complain. Just have Wolverine complain about all the other characters, and it would be dope. I think Seth Seth MacFarlane already tried that olive branch. He was like, "All right, you know, so." They're in liberal Rhode Island with my family guy. So let's make, you know, a red state show. And he did it. He made family guy in the red states. And instead of a talking dog, they had a weird alien. You know yep. what I'm saying? In, in American Dad, these people and, it, and it, the same is true in comic books. You have it. You have you are represented more than anybody. Like, so let me have Ruby Williams. Let me have Puerto Rican Miles Morales. I, that made me so happy. Can I have one? Can I please have one? The X-Men did it a while ago with Cecilia Reyes, but who knows what the hell happened to her? Don't answer that. It's rhetorical. You probably actually do. <laughs> but, so anyway, my shout out goes to Jim Jeffries for going undercover in an area where I didn't even think he needed it. And if you like that brand of humor, check out uh, Sasha Barrett Cohen's uh, Who is America show, too, because because they are really digging deep on that front. Um, that's my shout out for the week. Word, word. And uh like for me, I'm gonna go with uh, Dave Bautista, uh, actually, you know, displaying the huge set of balls that he has and coming out and defending James Gunn. Um, like I'm, I'm gonna go on record and say that I'm not a fan of what James Gunn wrote ten years ago. I'm not saying that they were, they were fine and not not to worry about him. But I am going to say that they were fucking 10 years ago and people do have the, the capacity to to evolve and change and grow. And Dave Bautista, def, Dave Bautista definitely jumped up immediately, like not even like he didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to, you know, formulate what he was going to say. He didn't have to be careful. He just came out and said, yo, I'm not happy with what's going on. This sucks. You know what I'm saying? And like in so many words uh, and and just stood up for a man that he thinks is a, a great person. And who knows James Gunn better than the people that he's worked with for the last six years? You know what I mean? Yeah. So so like that, I, I totally applaud. And I, I don't and I don't hate anybody else for not being as ballsy as Dave Bautista because it takes balls to be that to, to do that. And, and and by take by saying that I'm not saying that women can't do it because they don't have balls. I'm saying I'm saying it takes it takes uh I don't know, it takes a, a certain amount of what what's what's the word I'm looking for? I'm thinking courage. I I'm I'm because yeah. because some of his career could be on the line too, right? Like if he doesn't measure his response carefully, you mentioned exactly. that other people are measuring their response and, and he didn't take the time to measure his response, a hero acts. Right. And that's what this, that's what a lot of these comic books are about. That's what we're talking exactly. about. That's what this show is about. Right. And he was a hero who acted. It's funny because ironically his most recent big joke, his most recent ha ha moment for our entire audience was him telling us, that if he stands still and if he's quiet enough, he turns invisible. Ironically, he did the opposite. He made the most noise and he's raising the most ruckus because in his eyes and in your eyes and in my eyes, an injustice has been done. 
Now, again, we're not we're not defending his his dumb jokes. And we feel like they were that right. Dumb jokes. Is that would you agree? Well, yeah, because because uh, a pedophile, an actual pedophile is not going to tweet about being a pedophile because that's just fucking dumb. Unless you're and, and nor did he. He didn't say I'm a pet. Right. And, and nobody would. But he, but it, they were clearly jokes, really terrible, distasteful jokes. But but that's what they were. And for anybody who wants to compare it to Roseanne Barr and say, hey, if you do it for Roseanne, you got to do it for him. I want to remind you that Roseanne's wasn't, you know, six to 10 years ago. Roseanne's wasn't victimless. And Roseanne, when asked about it, doubled down and talked more shit. And she continues to talk more shit. I think only after the show got canceled did she slowly backpedal a little. But now she's back to talking more shit. James Gunn got ahead of this, apologized, acknowledged that he was stupid. It was X amount of years ago. And unlike Roseanne's, who had a, who had a targeted attack meant to hurt someone, this was him just trying to self-promote his shock image by hurting no one. He wasn't trying to hurt anyone. He wasn't talking about anybody specifically. He was just making really inappropriate jokes that I would love to see who hasn't. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you who hasn't made inappropriate jokes like this. The person who got him in the most trouble, who I think has actual sex offenses in his yeah. history. Yeah, it's it's no, sorry. I railed in. I chimed in on your shout out. I apologize. I appreciate it because it just makes me feel, uh, you know, validate it um like the reality is that you know an injustice has been done uh bobcat goldthwaite uh came out with a, a an awesome freaking response it was really yeah, it was it was really yeah, nice I, I sent that to you and 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 uh immediately as soon as i saw it and just like some of the support he's putting his ass on the line yeah, too exactly. he's saying he's saying give me less money take me off your disney ride take me out of your disney voice acting if you have to because i made inappropriate jokes and he also too threw james and Wood, let me he tell you threw james woods under the bus <laughs> who's who's a rhode island dickhead and i apologize <laughs> for the rest of the world to the rest of the world for offering you that dickhead <laughs> he has his moments but overall he's a dickhead <laughs> But um, but yeah, no, like, I mean, I just wish that there would be more like more people would be as vocal. Um, and I think we will see that, you know, in the days to come. And I'm and again, I'm not mad at anybody else for being measured. I mean, a matter of fact, um, if you if you are following this at all on the Internet, the first thing one of the first things that comes up now when you look up James Gunn is Ryan Johnson. who I, I applaud him because as soon as. James Gunn got fired. Your boy deleted like 20,000 of his old tweets. And, yeah. <laughs> and he came out today and like gave an explanation. He was just like, yo, it, I didn't really have like, you know, any reason for doing it. But like, you know, after James Gunn got fired, it was more like just like a why not thing. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. You know, because like anything that you say or said on the online, no matter how bad it was, can be taken and twisted. And these cats aren't these cats aren't playing fair, man. Like they're not, they're not just taking your old tweets. They're taking your old tweets, going into the uh, element inspection tool in in the browser and actually editing these motherfuckers, taking screenshots and then sending those out. So like you may have said something that was maybe suspect, yeah. but they're going to take it and make it 10 times worse before they display it to everybody else. And, and it's but, calculated. But let's be clear. Let's be clear. It, you are correct. 
people are also manipulating some of those things. But but in James Gunn's case, he did say these yeah, things. He, said, these he, said, he said most of these things. There's one thing that's out there that's floating around that I know he didn't say. Uh, and this was like something about being at a Nambla party. You know what I mean? Because like, that, yeah, that, that's just dumb. So. Uh, but that would also be in line with some of the shit that he said anyway. So it does. It it almost doesn't matter at this point. No, right. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it's just more fuel for the fire. Since he does own these, and and since he did say these things, I want to point out they were awful. Absolutely. I I think they were I think they were shitty things to say. I have said awful things. Some of them probably even like that at some point, no doubt. Right. Um, I was wrong. Like he is wrong here. And that being said, Disney has the right to 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 make a decision about their brand and stuff like that like i i get that stuff i just my two senses is that this is disproportionate it's disproportionate to the fans it's disproportionate it's a disproportionate punishment for uh for those jokes made x amount of years ago it's hypocritical coming from disney who in recent history has made such racist you know what I mean? Movies and characters in their movies. Um, it It's it's just real yucky on the part of Disney. So I I, I feel like I, I understand if they feel like they had to do something. I'm just saying this is way too much. They've overdone it. And I, I really have hope. And you and I have talked about this and and we haven't totally agreed. But I have hope that they come to their senses and can turn this around and say, hey, you know what? James Gunn. The Guardians of the Galaxy, it's about starting out dickheads and being able to grow and change. Disney started out dickheads and we've grown and changed and we want to do that together. And Let's do it with James Gunn. I think there's a very small possibility, but I do hold out hope that we get James Gunn back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, this next movie. Don't do it without. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And we did start off on different sides of this, but I think I'm coming more... You know, I, I'm coming over to your side a little bit more, mainly because um, Chris Hardwick got his job back. You know what I mean? Like when you, it's yeah. two, it's two different things, but like I I've always been I've always been the type to see something and they say, okay, you're fired, and you never see anybody get hired back, right? When when Chris Hardwick was let go, it was just like, all right, he's gone. You know what I'm saying? Like he, that's it. His life's over. But AMC did an investigation and in the end of the investigation decided, Hey, it's, it, you know, we should give him his job back. We fucked up. Right. Of which I don't even, of which I don't even know the details. I just know that his was a crime involving a victim and this one's a crime, not involving exactly. a victim. It's not even an accident. It's not even exactly. a crime. So, so the fact that he got rehired, I think is a suitable. Yeah. And that, that's what's, that's what swung me more in your direction. Uh, well, yeah. like, okay, well, I have hope now that he can possibly get his job back. Hey, man, um, I know we usually end on shout outs, uh, but you and I just went against racism, sexism, against uh, <laughs> pedophilia. Uh, we end, we're ending the show dark, man. What are we looking forward to in the comic book world? I, I know I just I did the stupid thing. I haven't told you about this yet. I told you I was thinking about it. Uh, I pre-ordered my my PS4 Pro Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man that even though I don't play PS4 and uh, I don't need a new PS4, I had to do it. I, I'm I'm mad uh, at you, man. So, I'm mad. 
<laughs> mad, man, because like it's not even like it's not even like the coolest Spider-Man symbol, man. It's like some some made up. No, you're, made up video you're right. A, a skin would look better. There are there are many skins that you could buy online that look way better than that, yes. no doubt. Uh, you know what day that comes out? September, right? September is either seventh or the ninth. I forget whatever that Friday is. You know what else comes out that day? That? Iron Man, uh, Iron Fist. Oh, the second season. Iron Fist season two comes out on the same day. It's going to be a fun nerdy day for me. I am not going to work. I'm going to stay home and play. And I am for once. I know it's your job. I'm the pessimist of this show. You are the op- optimist. I am. I'm a little optimistic. I, it'll definitely be better than the first season because the first season was an F for me. So so I, I expect it to be better. I'm kind of hopeful. I actually think it might be better. All right. I'm I'm going to hold out hope. Yeah, we did. We, we, you we, gotta, we switched roles on that one. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you're looking forward to so that you can so that you can end this show on a positive note? What are you what's your next nerdgasm? Um, shoot, I. I I don't know what my next one is, but my current one is definitely Castle Rock uh, on Hulu. I I gotta check I that out. I devoured the first three episodes last night, and I am dying for the next one. Um, and I guess right. I guess for what I'm looking forward to would be Cloak and Dagger episode. Uh, I think it's gonna be nine. Yeah, episode nine uh, that came out tonight. Yeah. I have to watch it uh, tomorrow on Hulu because I was working. So um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I that's that's gonna be it, man. Like, listen, I gotta, we gotta end this so that I can post it. Because if we wait any longer, it is going to be Friday, and I'm not doing that again. I got you. I just wanted to go. Ha- I'm sorry. I definitely spent more time. I just wanted to take us out on a happy note instead of talking about pedophilia and ending a show on yeah, pedophilia. No, we can't do that. You, you just wait. Now we're gonna do that. Now we're gonna end it on pedophilia. Oh fuck! Iron, Iron Fist. Iron Fist. No, happy no, stop, stop. Titans. Do not. Yeah, Titans please. Tomorrow. Yeah, don't, 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 don't follow pedophilia with Iron Fist. Norteens. 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 Um. Anyway, how about that Aquaman Black Panther trailer? Yo, that was, that cool. was cool. I really like the Aquaman trailer. Let's let's end on that. Um, the the Aquaman trailer was great, and I love the uh, comparison that you sent me of of the side by side where it's where it's frame for frame black panther God. i didn't notice it and then when you showed me that i was really mad because like i was really like into this uh this trailer and it's exactly the same shit it's literally the same trailer there's no way that that was an accident this no, there is no way. Now, now, do we want DC to stop it, or have we all along been saying, "Why can't you make more stuff like Marvel?" Yo, let's, so, no, let's, so, no, I, I would, I would love for them to continue with it and let it be. I hope the whole movie is frame for frame Black Panther because I will thoroughly enjoy it. It'd be cool if they had people of color in it too. That would make that that'd be nice. <laughs> well, they're all going to be blue, probably. That hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. We're halfway. Uh. Yeah, what's his name's in it? Uh, Dejaman uh, Hansu. He's gonna he's gonna be the uh, fisherman king. I, I I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to it, man. I I hate to admit it. I mean, unlike Teen Titans, the TV show, uh, this looked really good to me. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm a little more wary about Shazam. 
Uh, post your show, man. Yeah, yeah, I gotta <laughs> get on that, man, because I'm I'm really really cutting it close. Um, word, done. We're done. We're done. Next week, tune in. Uh, and I will definitely be posting things. I'm gonna be posting things in between, um, uh, like with like little snippets of like stuff that I'm reading as I'm reading it. So be be aware of that. It's gonna be an anchor exclusive. So make sure you have the anchor app. And we'll see you later. All right, peace. peace.